0: Welcome to the Superfan Podcast. My name is Sunil Agnihotri. This is episode 51. Well, we're past the trade deadline now, rosters are set, we're finally in that last stretch drive towards the playoffs. We've got 16 games left after a big win tonight against the Boston Bruins, and the Oilers are still holding on to that first wildcard spot, ranking fourth in the Pacific, thirty-six win in 66 games, a points percentage of 606 now. Um, Things have gone, you know, really well for Edmonton since January 1st. Let's use that as a date. Um, they've gone 16-6 six and 6 in these 28 games. Uh, that's a point percentage of 669, which ranks about sixth in the league. Um, and they're behind teams like Boston and New Jersey, Carolina, you know, teams that are, you know, legit Cup contenders. So it's a pretty good group. Um, and it's really been at even strength where, where they've really been crushing it. Um, they've got around a 55, 56% goal share now uh, at five on five or similar to like a 15 uh, sorry a plus 15 goal differential since January 1 and again that's one of the best in the league um, and what's really been promising is that the results appear to be sustainable, as they're controlling the shots, the shot attempts, and the scoring chances, and they're posting some of the league's best Corsi 4 percentages and Fenwick 4 percentages, somewhere around that 56-58% uh, mark in these last 28 games. Um, the power play, we know, continues to be amazing, thankfully all of our, all the star players are still healthy, still doing their thing there, um, and even the penalty kill has gradually improved, there's still some work to do. Uh, but it's not costing them wins like it was earlier in the season. Um, So we got lots to cover, a lot of the success that's happened uh, so far this year. Um, But I do also want to talk about on this show, um, you know, just the job that the Oilers did at the trade deadline, you know, moving out future assets and an inefficient contract in in Tyson Berry to acquire uh, a a solid defenseman like Matthias Eckholm from Nashville. Um, The Oilers have really put themselves in a good spot to not only qualify for the playoffs, I mean, they've been on a really good run since January, um, but they should be able to make a deep run in the playoffs especially when you consider you know the season that guys like you know Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl and zach hyman and how well they're doing and then how also how weak the western conference is and we'll talk about that today as well so heading towards the playoffs i mean there's a few things we need to talk about including you know the goaltending which has been a bit of an issue this season a bit of a spot of bother for the team and the fan base um you know we can talk about some of the personnel decisions by the coaching staff Um, but i think it's also healthy to talk about you know what's been some of the issues that have held the team back from being one of these Elite clubs um, and just some areas for concern as we do head into uh, into the playoffs or at least making a, a run for it. Um, and I do also want to cover, you know, the Western Conference and just how it's shaping up, you know, which teams are there, are the ones to beat. Um, so it should be an interesting uh, postseason. Now, to do all that, I have joining me on the show my colleague, my pal from the Copper and Blue, Jeffrey Chapman. Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, it's a Real great pleasure to be here uh, with you tonight, Sunil. I'm glad to be on, and uh, thanks again.
0: Hey, yeah, no worries. I'm I'm excited to talk to you because obviously the Oilers have been doing really well uh, for the last couple of months. They've got that pretty exciting trade deadline, and we're taping this after the Bruins, uh, after the win against the Bruins, which was a pretty fun game, a little stressful early on. But um, why don't we just start off there? Uh, I felt like, you know, early, didn't, Stuart Skinner looked a little shaky, had kind of let in a, a bad goal and then uh, turned it over for the second goal against. But again, it was the Oilers' depth that uh, really stepped up. What are, your, uh, what are your thoughts from this game?
1: Yeah, it uh, had all the trimmings of being an early night, uh, especially with the second goal that was allowed uh, late in the first period. Um, Two goals, really, that Skinner would probably want back. But um, you got a goal, and you got a good one from McLeod, and you got Evan Bouchard stepping up. And just like everybody had scripted, uh, Darnell Nurse with the late one um, that just was an airplane over Swayman. So, yeah, it's great. You're getting goals from all sorts of places and not just the usual suspects, and uh, that's great for a team who's uh, been doing well since the beginning of the year, like you said.
0: So, Jeff, in terms of, you know, the regular season and how it's gone so far, um, you know, there's definitely been a lot of progress they've You know, really been able to control the shot shares and and that's really helped driven results. And obviously, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of, you know, some of the star guys like Connor McDavid, they've had career years that's helped to drive success. Um, And I feel like some of the the tactics that the coaching staff has used, that's really helped drive results as well. Um, From your perspective, you know, what have been sort of the key drivers this season that's helped the Oilers turn things around?
1: Well, you got to look at your usual suspects, and you know you're looking at Conor McDavid right now, who's having just an absolute, you know, star-studded season right now. He's got over 120 points right now, and you know the, the way things are going, you know, he's got six, he's got 54 goals, and there's a really good chance that he could end with you know 60, 65, and you know even though there's only 17 games left, if he does a goal a game, he could hit 70. And you know you got Leon Draisaitl, who's easily going to smash. 100 points this year, so long as he stays healthy. Uh, you've got Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, which is flirting with, you know, he's flirting with 90 points, which I don't think any of us saw. Uh, but you're also getting, you know, plenty of uh, help from some of your depth guys, which I don't think that you would have seen. Uh, you know, uh, we, were, we touched upon Ryan McLeod at one point, and uh, you know, he had a big goal tonight. And, you know, you're getting you know, Eckholm who's a big, big major addition and a big player. Uh, coming in from nashville so that that's a big help too so all cylinders seem to be clicking right now for the oilers if they can just kind of get together and goal uh, they could go far
0: yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you touched on some of the like the depth, the input. Like, I mean, for sure, like like you mentioned, guys like Leon and Nuge, and they're all having career seasons. Uh, especially Nuge Hopkins, which I know a big you know a big chunk of the fan base is really pulling for him. Um, but yeah, I've been really impressed by like the the Derek Ryan's, who's at I think 11 goals now. Uh, Ryan McLeod, like you said, he just got a big goal today. Um, a big fan of his. Um, and you know, in the past, we've harped on this a lot, especially on this podcast, on on different blogs. You know, the Oilers typically have issues outscoring opponents and you know it's typically you know, Connor or Leon on the ice, especially with Connor on the ice, no problem, right? They're gonna be able to outscore opponents, control the shot shares, all that. But the second he's on the bench, which is you know up to sixty percent of the, the total five on five time, the oilers would just get crushed and basically give up all the goals. Um What's encouraging is this year, you know, rather than, you know, bleeding all the chances against the others are actually posting, I'll just read it out here, a 55% goal share without uh, McDavid or Drysaddle on the ice. So like a plus 13 goal differential in the past, like that would have been unheard of. And the nice thing is they're also posting, you know, decent shot share numbers. Like they've got like a 52% percent Corsi 4 percentage and expected goal share. So I feel like that's been, you know, a big key to the success as well.
1: Whenever you can get positive output when your top two guys are off the ice, uh, it's a game-changer because the Oilers have been so heavily reliant on 97 and 29 um, for years now, uh, and it seems that the tide is starting to change, and you know, it's it's benefiting the Oilers. and. Uh, if they can keep that up, you know, through now and hopefully the playoffs, uh, it, it could be a, a, a different set of circumstances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great point because I think that's a reason why I was always very skeptical about the Oilers making any progress. Um, in the playoffs is because when you look at the teams that make a deep run, they're the ones that have that secondary scoring um, that has just eluded the Oilers for so many years, but now it seems like, yeah, like you said, the tides have turned. It's going to be a a big, you know, big impact. Um, So I just want to touch on the trade deadline. Um, we're only a week away from, or a week after it, um, and I felt like the others did a, a really nice job moving out, you know, future assets, you know, first-round picks, uh, Reed Schaefer, Tyson Berry to acquire a guy like Matthias Eckholm, who um, I wasn't overly familiar with. Like I've obviously know the name, but I didn't know. You know, how good of a defenseman this this player was, uh, or even his age and you know <laughs> what he still had left in the tank. I kept thinking he was an older guy. But uh, what were your initial thoughts when the Ekholm deal uh, deal happened?
1: Well, uh, to be honest, shock. Uh, it was uh, compared. Yeah, you know, it was either going to be Eric Carlson or nothing in my mind. And they were able to avoid Gavrikov. And fortunately, he went to LA. So that was a, you know, that was a dodge bullet in my mind. Uh, Eckholm I didn't really think that they were going to be serious players in, but they did really, really well. Um, and I think with Eckholm you have uh, a little bit that satisfies Ken Holland, and you have a little bit that satisfies Players or fans of the player. I mean, he satisfies the you know the age quotient. He's thirty-two. He's a little bit of a gray beard, um, you know, and he's he's big and tall. He's six foot four. Uh, But with you know fans who are analytical minded, uh, you know his fancies are great, and you know he's kind of a complete player. This is a player that takes minutes away from Nurse and he adds minutes to you know himself. So he had what almost twenty-one minutes tonight. All right, and Nurse. You don't want him playing 25, 26 minutes a night. So you've got a complete player who looked really good tonight. He looked really good in Buffalo. Uh, He set up the game-winning goal. And, you know, he's not throwing grenades in people's skates. Um, The Orders have really lacked this sort of player for a long time. And I couldn't really be happier, uh, especially with the acquisition cost. Uh, Yeah, it was Barry, and yeah, it was a first-rounder. And Reed Schaefer, who probably has about a 30% chance of becoming a an everyday NHLer. So I like this deal. Uh, I like this deal quite a lot. And, uh, you know, thumbs up for Ken Holland. uh, And I'm very critical of his work. But this was a really good deal. It's probably his best one since becoming GM of the Oilers.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like with his acquisition he you know he basically brought in a best the best defenseman on the roster right now um and i mean darnell nurse for everything that he is he does get a lot of minutes but he still has some of those flaws um i feel like like you said by adding eck home reducing nurses minutes we might get some better better play better efficiency from nurse um like for example like him and his partnership with cody Ceci. It's been pretty unsteady the whole season. Um, obviously a nice goal tonight against the Bruins, but I feel like it hasn't been great. And just the way he's been deployed, uh, he does play against the top competition. He has trusted in those minutes, but um, he has been struggling this year. So I feel like this is a big boost for, for Darnell Nurse. Um, in terms of Ekholm, it's funny you mentioned the age because when when we acquired him I heard 32 I'm like oh you know that's kinda not not in the range I like cuz you look at the player aging curves and typically defensemen kinda age out by you know the late 20s and after 30 they take a big big dip in their productivity Um, but Ekholm has been really solid he's stayed relatively healthy he's been in the league for I think 11 or 12 years somewhere around that but he's been relatively healthy for the majority of his career and I feel like that is a skill in its own uh, the ability to stay healthy um, obviously it means you're taking your, taking care of yourself off the ice but on the ice you uh, you're protecting yourself out there you're not putting yourself in vulnerable vulnerable positions so when I see that I instantly think like this guy must be a smart player uh, just in terms of how he takes care of himself and then how he plays um, and the other thing with that comb too which I was very surprised about and it was that his Relative numbers to his teammates, Um, so I I like to look at, you know, how does a team do with this player on the ice? Do they play better? Do they control more of the shots and chances? Um, And he's been very consistent throughout his career in that Nashville has always done better in terms of generating chances and preventing chances against with him on the ice. He had a slight dip in the. In the bubble season in the 1920s season, um, but then after that he's been just fine, including this year. so I was really happy to see that um, so that does make me feel better um, I mean the the fact that Nashville moved on from him, they obviously see you know a window of opportunity to move a player like this to get some assets because you know holding on to him any longer and you know they could they're putting themselves at risk of having to you know sweeten that deal and add assets to move him out. Whereas right now they sold them at basically the perfect time because, you know, they don't know what its production is going to be like. And for a team like the Oilers, now they have uh, a very solid defenseman for the next few seasons, which aligns perfectly with that, you know, dry sidle McDavid window. So I was, I was very happy to see that. Um, And in terms of what they gave up, like that's just the cost of, you know, being a, in the discussion of being a contender. And so. I'm like you. I was I was shocked when the trade happened, um, but I was very relieved because of some of the names that were that were out there, um, and the ones that were rumored to be coming to Edmonton, like Joel Edmondson. Like that was nothing exciting about that. Um, but I also didn't know what the Oilers thought they needed, and if they recognize that, hey, this is their window. They need to be able to you know do something, improve the roster to to make a real run for it because. You know, there's no other time than now. So I felt like that was, I think, my biggest uh, biggest relief with that trade.
1: I mean, it's thumbs all up for the, for Ken Holland and the crew for this deal, in my opinion. And like I said, I'm really critical on Ken Holland because I, I think it's fairly apparent that uh, his best work uh, came before the salary cap became. Uh, you know, was a thing in the NHL. So yeah. him having to operate under a budget and a constraint, uh, I think he struggled you know, greatly in Detroit and for significant periods of time in Edmonton. Uh, but with Ekholm, I think you do have the best defenseman on the Oilers right now, and that's a lot. And he's cost-controlled for three more years. Mm-hmm. And look at the pair that he's on with Bouchard. I mean, it's just great. I, I really couldn't ask for anything more. If you would have told me two minutes ago, we'd be having this conversation. I, I would I would have laughed, but it's just been all thumbs up since he's been here, and I really can't wait to see if and when the Oilers get to the playoffs, what this duo can do.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and one other point I wanted to make about Ekholm before we go into our, the next topic is um, – I feel like there's a little bit of untapped potential here. I know when Ken Holland, uh, at the trade deadline, when they made the announcement, he mentioned that and he said, you know, he's not a power play guy. He's a defensive defenseman. He talked about the size, like those check boxes that, you know, Ken Holland is looking for gray beard, all that. Um, But I found it interesting because in Nashville, he actually had the third highest rate of minutes. Uh, On the power play. So I mean, there is this guy is a defensive defenseman. Like, look at all the metrics, he is very solid. Um, But there is a a little bit of of an offensive element to his game, which I'm I'm looking forward to seeing because I know, you know, young Evan Bouchard's, uh, you know, made some progress this year. Uh, I like the fact that he's going to be given more responsibility with Tyson Berry gone. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see uh, just how that could that pairing is going to work. So far, it's been it's been really good. the other trade that the others made was acquiring Nick Bukestad from uh, from Arizona exchange for, I think, a late round pick, and um, as well as uh, Kesselring, uh, who was playing the uh, for the Condors. Um, I felt like this trade, I don't know if they really needed it, but I felt at the same time, you know, he can, it's just another guy, he could fit in, he could help with face-offs, things like that, but uh, what was your initial take on, uh, on the acquisition of Nick Bukestad?
1: Uh, from a cost perspective, I think it cost Edmonton a little bit more than you probably wanted to spend for a pure rental uh, for a player like this. Yes, he's a bottom six player. I mean he's got an injury history. Um, you know, he's really good at face offs. Well, uh, that's good. And, you know it, it, it's really good. He can pK, that's good. Uh, you have an actual NHL player here who can fit in this roster. That's good. It's not like a Jared Smithson trade. Uh, which, you know, for a rent, for a pure rental, you know, uh, is a third in Kesselring a lot. It's a little bit more than you wanted. But uh, if, you know, if Bugstad wants to hang around and if the price is right, you know, and for 450K at 50%, the money's right, the cap hits right, this is a player who can play. And, you know, if he stays healthy, it's going to be A-OK. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I feel like, there's a number of things that you know, he especially like he, like you had mentioned, like there's that checkbox for, for Ken Holland too. You know, he likes the size, right shot, you know, he can take draws. Um I just thought Arizona did a really nice job of boosting this player's value. And I, I like forward thinking um, you know, approaches like that. And I, I hope that the oilers could someday think of uh, of taking players you know how to boost their value and then flipping them for other assets obviously Arizona's in a position where they can do that they're not trying to win a championship um, but I did find it funny because you know Nick Bugstad's being touted as a guy that can help on the penalty kill and he can he did play a ton of minutes in Arizona um, he was basically on the first line he played against top competition because he was really the only guy that could do it um, but I just found it interesting that before he even got to, you know, Arizona, he had never played penalty kill, and you know, in his previous stops in places like Florida and Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Obviously, like you mentioned, he he dealt with some injury issues, um, but just that ability for a team to take an asset you know he basically just cost the Arizona Coyotes some money um and then they retained and then they were able to flip him for a pick and you know a prospect and a a pretty decent one Kesselring was doing pretty well uh in the AHL he was developing nicely um and so I, I do find that really interesting when teams are able to do that but then I always think you know I wonder if the Oilers would ever be in a spot like that like would they have that much forward thinking to do something like that
1: Arizona's done a pretty good job at being able to take uh, players who might have been sort of afterthoughts and kind of reviving their careers. Bugstad's one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, He just had a killer cap hit in Florida, which, you know, uh, the Oilers, I think, have liked this player for some time. And, you know, the acquisition cost or just the cap hit alone when he was pulling four million and then it's just it was not able to be worked out. But you take a look at players. Uh, Nick Schmaltz is one that pops into my head because he's a 20-goal player now. And uh, Shane Gostisbehere, uh, you know, I mean, he recently moved on in a trade, uh, I believe, it was to Carolina. And you know, the Coyotes are, like you say, they're in the position right now to sort of uh, you know, roll the dice on players, which may not have been, you know, uh, you know, first or second thoughts uh, when it comes to filling out a roster. Um, I would be great if the Oilers would, you know, be able to do this a little bit more. Uh, but right now, I, you know, right now, I think they're all in and they're all, you know, they're going to go ahead and push. They have pushed their chips to the middle, so to speak. So, uh, you know, with, with the acquisition of Bugstad, you know, he's an actual NHL player. And I do think that he's going to provide, you know, some value uh, in, in his opening interview. When he was interviewing with a team, he said he really wanted to be a part of the club. All He said all the right things, checked all the right boxes. Um, and if he can hang around a little bit longer um, and he signs a deal, you know, maybe he's this player next year for the Oilers who, you know, spent an asset to get him and are able to, you know, maybe flip the tables and send him somewhere for something else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're there yet. That would be pretty neat if they could, uh, yeah. you know, uh, spend a dollar to make a dollar $1.50. Yeah. Uh, We'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. Um, And that kind of leads me to my next kind of topic. And it just has to do with the the speculation that uh, Elliot Friedman reported on Hockey Night in Canada last weekend about the Oilers being... Rumor to be in on uh, Timo Meyer, um, who was a restricted free agent with San Jose. Obviously, the New Jersey Devils were the team that that got him. They sent him kind of a basket of things of picks and prospects, um, but not bad for for New Jersey. They've got a guy that's going to easily fit into their top six and make their offense even better. And I think they can become real contenders now with with someone like Timo Meyer. Um, but I was a little bit surprised to hear that the Oilers were, you know, rumored to be in on on Timo Meyer. Um, you know, he's obviously like he could fit in really nicely in the top six with the Oilers and I think the idea and this is what Elliot Friedman had reported too is that um, they would acquire him now and you know boost up his value during the playoff run. He'd obviously play in the top six with guys like McDavid and Drsadel and Nugent Hopkins. Um, and then the idea would be to flip him. At the at the draft uh, before because he would be due for a new contract which would probably pay him well over you know I'm guessing eight nine million at this point um, he's coming off his RFA deal from San Jose um, I thought that was interesting because in my mind right away I thought you know Myers in that age where you know you could potentially Keep them if you know you do move out some some players. And obviously the others are tied to McDavid and Drysidle. They got Nuge on a long-term deal and Hyman and Nurse. So it's hard to imagine it. Um, but this is just my wild conspiracy theory. But I, in my mind, Timo Meyer would be a good replacement for someone like Leon Drysidle. And I I'm, I know that's going to upset some people, but we have to be realistic here. The fact that his contract is going to be up in a couple years. So we are going to have this discussion next year anyways, but I do like the idea of looking for a younger version of Leon Drysaddle basically similar to what uh, Florida did moving out Jonathan Huberdeau, um and getting uh, Kachuk on their roster who kind of aligns with their uh, with their roster and the age group that they're you know trying to win a cup with I mean obviously this year it's not working but the idea to me is right you move out a 30 year old and you bring in someone who's in their mid 20s because um, I feel like you know Leon for all the talent that he has you know, it's eventually going to, you know, you, you got to have to make a decision if you're going to be willing to sign them long term. But um, what were your thoughts on just that, that rumor about Timo Meyer coming to Edmonton?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I'm always, you know, I'm always in line for adding more firepower to the roster. So if the Oilers were seriously kicking tires on Timo Meyer, that's encouraging. Uh, because two years ago, I don't even think this gets brought up. Right. Uh, it's extremely forward thinking for the club. Um like you say, I think that if they did get their hands on Meyer, it would be a pure rental simply because, you know, they're they're looking at Leon and I think they're looking at Connor and I think they could both play to their 55 years old if the I mean if if the Oilers would allow them to, um, I I think they're latched to idle uh, just like they are McDavid and uh, you know I mean getting Meyer at a few years younger would be you know. Instant gas. It would just be absolute. You know, it would be great for the team. It'd be great for the roster. Um, but to consider bringing him in, you know, running him on the top line, um, you know, especially if Evander Kane doesn't have, you know, a good set of games, uh, and Hyman goes back to left wing, the idea of putting him on the top line, running him to the wheels, you know, uh, for the for the next 20 or 30 games in the playoffs included, and then flipping those assets at the draft would just be like a Shot you know, in the arm because if you can have a guy who just goes nuts in the playoffs and scores 15 or 20 points, that's just gonna make his stock rise even further. And you know, you were saying eight or nine million dollars, I don't think the orders are anywhere near that. Um, so, yeah, that's another buying for a dollar and sending for a dollar 50, uh, you know, type scenario. Uh, I'd absolutely love to see it. Uh, Now, you can make the argument whether or not the Oilers need the firepower up top right now. I I understand that. But wow. I mean, just the idea of bringing him in um, and running him for 15, 20 extra games in the playoffs and then, you know, making a mint on top of that, it's just extremely forward thinking. And if that's the way the Oilers are starting to run to, then yeah, give me more of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was my thought, too. You know, even if this trade didn't go through. And it's interesting, like, the Oilers don't let this kind of stuff out there like unless they also wanted to let people know that hey we're starting to be a little bit more forward thinking we're not as you know conservative and buttoned down and traditional you know kind of management style like they're kind of known for um so I thought that was interesting and yeah like you said too like they've got some decisions coming up um with the rest of the roster obviously like yeah, McDavid Drysdale you could see them being here for the rest of their careers obviously the you know the weathers would probably want that players I'm not sure if they if they would um, but I mean there are gonna be some big contracts coming up especially when you look at you know what guys like David Pasternak just signed for and that's the comparable that I had when dry needed his first big deal um, and so that's kind of your starting point so when dry contracts up in a couple of years it'll be interesting to see you know where the cap is at and things like that um, I want to talk to you about goaltending because i know you wrote a great article over at the copper and blue on on the oilers goaltending situation um and spe- specifically with jack campbell um you know goaltending overall for the oilers has been has been okay and that's mainly because of you know Stuart skinner has been you know mostly good this year he got that all-star on nom- all-star appearance this year um but yeah jack campbell has been you know any metric you look at whether it's traditional numbers like save percentage or goals against, or if you look at some of the advanced metrics like goals saved above average, he is near the bottom um, when you compare him with other, you know, goalies who have played around the same minutes, um, and he's just he's been not very good at all, and it's it's been tough to watch because you know obviously the Oilers spent a lot of money, uh, they've given him a long-term contract as well, and this was supposed to be you know the solution to their goaltending, but you know because of Stuart Skinner, it's really been the reason they've been able to you know hang in there. But what have you been your thoughts on uh, on the Oilers goaltending situation this year?
1: Well, uh, I got to give Ken Holland a little bit of credit again. That's twice in, in a half hour, but, <laughs> It's a record. You know, yeah, I know. He, he yeah, you know, he went with his guy. All right. Um, it, it turns out it wasn't the right guy. At least not so far. But you know, he's he was GM for three years and he did the Mike Smith thing when he didn't get Markstrom and you know him and Koskinen were you know kind of one A one B one B one A depending on you know what night of the week it was and whether or not Smith was too injured to stand up. Uh, so he went and he got Campbell. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the best deal. It was five by five and you're hoping that you were going to get, I think what you're getting from Stuart Skinner. You're hoping to get that from Jack Campbell and it just hasn't worked. It's just been a year of just, there was a few weeks where things were nice and the other part has just been two standard deviations away from the norm. And the average, and it's just not worked out. And if you can get creative in the off season and find a club to take Jack Campbell on 50% retention, you slam that button every day of the week because it's just you can't be a serious contending club with goaltending that's in the bottom ten, in the bottom five. Uh, and unfortunately for Campbell, who is, you know, a consummate professional, he's a good guy. Uh, he's well liked from his, by his teammates, from what I understand, and all that good stuff. Um, it's just for five million dollars that puts him well over the league average in a cap hit, and it's just you have to find alternatives right now because the Oilers are strung against the cap, and every dollar, you know, every cap dollar helps. So. If you have to buy this player out, the buyout will be for eight years at the end of the year, and it's anywhere between 1.5 and 2.5 million in cap space, depending on which year it is. I think years three and four of a buyout would be two and a half million. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to seriously consider this because the three and a half million that you're going to save in the next two years, you can get a replacement goaltender. Mm-hmm. Might not be a household name. Might not be, you know, uh, a name that a lot of people are, you know, really even considering. Like. Uh, I know Aiden Hill is is one that I've taken a look at, and his numbers are you know way nicer than what Campbell is putting forth this year. So, as much as I like Jack Campbell the person, he's just not bringing home the groceries right now. And you know, thank goodness for Stuart Skinner, who's kind of picked up that slack. Uh, because if there was no Stuart Skinner, I don't think the Oilers would have seventy points. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And it's unfortunately for Campbell, and unfortunately for the Oilers, it's just been a really bad year for him. And um, we've seen these numbers since last January. And they haven't really gotten much better, so I don't think a serious contending club can hold on to can hold on to Campbell for another year. They really need to pursue another option.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think my concern is with Stuart Skinner. You know, he's had a phenomenal season, but I I would hate to see him get burnt out or start to struggle because the others don't have a goalie that they can play in the NHL. And so jack campbell to me is like obviously a really rough rough season you'd hope that you know maybe he needs an an off season and he'll bounce back next year you can take roll the dice on that but you also don't want to be play overplaying Stuart skinner either um especially in these last 16 games they're heading into the playoffs you want him to be able to get some rest between games um and so i i wish they could have addressed this sooner um because it was very early in the season where Jack Campbell was having issues, he had you know, some equip- equipment problems with his glove, uh, and then after the Christmas break, his numbers improved slightly. So there was, I think, an eight or nine game stretch where he was actually okay. Even on the PK, his numbers had improved, so I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's going to start to turn around. But soon as the February hit, again, just just the performance has been so bad. And what's been most frustrating is the Oilers' high-powered offense is scoring like four or five average goals a game, um, and they're not winning. And so that's been, I think, the most frustrating thing for me. Um, And so I feel like, you know, had the Oilers – I guess had a little bit more courage earlier in the season and just said, hey, listen, this isn't working with Jack. we got to move him to the AHL, Uh, maybe give him some reps there, similar to what the Kings did with Cal Peterson, right? They weren't afraid to move their marquee offseason signing, uh, let him go find his game in the AHL. And so had the Oilers had that courage, You know, maybe they could have brought in another, you know, AHL, you know, replacement type goaltender that could have given him, given at least, uh, you know, given a few good starts where instead they've had to play Jack Campbell, who's cost the team wins. Let's let's make that very clear. Um, If you look at just the goals he's allowed. If an average goalie was in his spot, uh, they would have allowed 12 fewer goals against. And if you look at that, convert that into wins, that's about two wins, but four points in the standings. Um, They should be much higher in the standings, but because of this goaltending, it's held them back. Um, So I guess my concern is heading into uh, into the playoffs, I hope. Stuart Skinner is, is rested up. He's ready to go. Honestly, when I saw that goal uh, against the Bruins, I was that's why I started feeling like if only we had you know a goalie that can play some more games. Um, but like you said, you know any serious contending team, they should be able to have more options than this. But uh, but yeah, it'll be another another challenge for the uh, for the Oilers management to deal with. Um, one last thing i want to talk to you about uh jeff is just the western conference um and just heading into the playoffs i mean obviously the Oilers haven't officially uh locked in their spot but i mean they've been on quite a good tear since january 1 that you hope that they've uh they've they'll lock one down here soon um in terms of the western conference i don't really see a team that's overly intimidating like i mean if you compare it to the east it's not even close Um, i feel like the east is you know where teams are really solid that's where they loaded up the most there's like this arms race going on over there at the trade deadline um you know teams like obviously boston carolina you know toronto's been solid um and so i feel like the the powerhouses are in the east in the west you know do you see a team that's really better well not i don't want to say better than the others but who do you think is a real contender in the west
1: well, like you say, the Oilers right now they're rolling, and it's a, this is a great time to get going. Um, like you are saying, there's 16, I believe. Uh, what did you say? There's 16, six and yes. 16, six and six since yeah, the first. That's, right. that's that's great with a you know with a six, six, seven. That's really great. Um, so if I'm any other team in the in the West right now, especially the Pacific, I'm hesitant to want to play the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know, goaltending right now is their Achilles' heel. If it all falls off, uh, I think that's going to be what breaks them. And so, we hope that Skinner, you know, can keep it going and that you know he just forgets all about those two goals that he had against them tonight, especially the one at the end of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to the rest of the West, um, I always think Vegas is always a tough team, uh, especially this year. They're not allowing anything. um, I know they're allowing the fewest goals in the Pacific, and I'm pretty sure the Western Conference. Uh, and they just recently acquired Jonathan Quick, who has not been good for LA for probably about four or five years now. And I don't know if a change of scenery is going to, you know, get him to have lightning in a bottle for, you know, through, you know, two or three dozen games. But Vegas is always that weird question mark team. I mean, when they first came on, they they were high, they were fire and. I, I just with with quick getting a new you know a new leash on life so to speak, I'd watch out for them. Uh, as far as other teams, I like Dallas. Dallas is really good, and I, I like the Wild too. Uh, Dallas's goalie Jake Edinger right now, um, you know you can't ask for anything more uh, from your goaltender. Uh, he's you know he's plus nine twenty right now um in net and it seems as though that everything that you know the puck looks like a beach ball to him right now mm-hmm. and he's just knocking everything out so they get hot um dallas could really go far and uh, with the wild i know uh Kirill kaprizov he got sat on last night and uh you know it wasn't a good scene for him but uh that guy's just dying to get into the second round of the playoffs um and minnesota always finds himself in the mix so while they're not really runaway teams, they're not dominant teams, one of those teams is going to get in the second round and looking to make some noise. And I'll be honest, if I'm the Oilers, I really don't want to play Vegas. Bring on the Golden Knights, but I don't want to see Vegas anytime at all. So those are my three teams uh, that, you know, if not the Oilers, one of those three teams is, you know, due to make some noise. It's just if it's going to be goaltending or if it's going to just be putting six or seven goals up per game. And those are my teams.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I definitely agree with, with teams like Dallas. Um, they have been consistent all season. I believe they have the best goal differential in the West if you look at the full season. Um, like Jason Robertson like is such a phenomenal player to watch too. So I feel like there's these like young players. Kaprizov, like you mentioned, unfortunately got hurt, but um you wanna see some of these young guys go deeper in the playoffs and see what they can do. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Dallas is up there. Vegas I'm always skeptical about because I think earlier in the season they were just breaking even in terms of goal share and shot share. Um, that's obviously improved over the last little bit, and their goaltending has been pretty, been pretty steady. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you know how Jonathan Quick can can perform there. Um, I think the team that I, I keep looking at is Colorado. Because I feel like they are obviously defending cup champions. They've been kind of lurking. They struggled this season, uh, mainly due to all the injuries. They got Landis Gog back and McKinnon's back, and um, they're looking like they're you know in top form again. Um, and I think the one thing that was holding them back and why they were struggling was their shooting percentage, and that's likely because, like I mentioned, their the injury issues that they have. Um, but if you look at say like their their last you know 25 games or so. Um, they've been just really dominant and they're starting to look like that Colorado team from from last season so i feel like and they might end up being in the wild card spot well it depends if winnipeg you know keeps falling but um i feel like yeah colorado is a team that i would not want to play in the first round um everyone else like i don't i'm not scared of you know teams like minnesota i mean obviously they've got some stars up front but they've also struggled uh converting their their shots into goals um their goal differential in the last 25 has been below 50 percent uh, their shot share numbers are kind of hovering around 50 so nothing overly special um teams like seattle i feel like I, I want them to do well because i feel you know obviously the jordan eberle effect there i want to see um you know some of these players that you know got <laughs> moved away from other teams to do well um and then you know teams like winnipeg as well again you know there's they've got some obviously like top end guys there but there's nothing that's really overly intimidating about it other than their goaltending who's probably gonna win around for them but uh, but yeah in terms of the west not too uh Nothing too, like, overly <laughs> powerful here, but I feel like there's still a few teams that the Oilers should look out for.
1: Now, you make a really good point about Minnesota. I, I always have just, you know, maybe it's from the decade of darkness and I just keep having those those feelings of malcontent. Yeah. <laughs> However, you know, th- their goaltending hasn't been great. Um, you know, Fleury's done okay, and uh, Cabo Kockinen has been, like, on the level of Jack Campbell, so it hasn't been great for him, so... If anything's going to fall apart at the seams for them, uh, their goaltending could really, you know, take a hard turn. You take a look at a team like LA, who I feared a little bit, uh, but I don't think they got better after the deadline. No, um, not with Gavrikov and, uh, you know, with Corvasalo, who I think is uh, an all right goalie. I just, uh, it, it, there's nothing about that, those additions that really scream. You know, wow to me. Uh, Them shipping quick for Corpus Solo essentially is, you know, I don't want to say it's a lateral move, but I don't know that it really improves, you know, them in the net. So, uh, like like you say, uh, the the West is wide open. It really is. And the Oilers are rolling and they've gotten better on defense. And if their goaltending can hold up, I mean, why not now?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I feel like as long as they can just get league average goaling, their goaltending there's no issues with the offense like we're rolling there the power play solid um yeah like we talked about matias adding matias at home that's going to improve a lot for the oilers um you know obviously on the defensive side of things but there's obviously that you know offensive side to his game as well that we could unleash and um you know having nurse drop down a bit in terms of minutes all those things i think combined um and, and like we talked about too with the depth uh, being what it is and how well it's performed without McDavid and dry settle in the ice. I think those are going to be some of the, the key drivers that should hopefully help them, you know, first secure a playoff spot and then hopefully make a, a deep playoff run. Um, Jeff, this has been a blast. I always love chatting with you. Uh, what's cooking over at uh, the copper and blue this week.
1: Well, uh, you know, we recently we, we, we talked a little about, a bit about Jack Campbell, and uh, we're going to do a little bit more on the other side of the coin. We're going to talk a little bit more about Stuart Skinner. And in the next couple of games, uh, you know, hopefully the Oilers keep on rolling that ball. Uh, we're going to take a look at a playoff preview, uh, you know, as to what the Oilers could be uh, up against uh, in the next couple of weeks. So they got to get there first. I'm not counting any chickens before they're hatched, mm-hmm. but um, – You know, I think at this point of the season, you know, they're neck and neck right now with Seattle. Uh, You know, they're clear of Calgary by, what, nine points now. So, again, not counting any chickens, but things are looking good. Um, So, you know, uh, we're going to take a look at the goaltending a little bit more, and we're going to take a look at uh, hopefully where the second season begins.
0: That sounds awesome, Jeff. Well, thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll do this again soon.
1: It's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's get to the playoffs and uh, let's make some noise.
0: Absolutely.